Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into a different band, different artists, and we break down one of their records. We get into the music, how it was made, the lyrics, artwork, the band members, and everything in between. Uh, my name is Tyler, and way out there, hundreds of miles away, is Jeff. While you're listening, go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, give us five stars. Five stars only, please go do that. All the social media is at Asinine Radio. Go follow us, share all the posts, tell all your friends, and that's it. That's all I got for the boring intro. So let's jump right into it. This week we are doing uh, the Police, and we're doing their debut record. Uh, fuck, what is it called? I've oh, been saying oh, it. Hold on there, dude. Oh, oh, oh. Outlandos Diamore. There it is. Dude, I've said it like seven times in the last twenty minutes. Outlandos Diamore, uh, their first record, like I said. And um, let's so let's jump into that. What's your um, what's your origin story with the Police? Go. I don't. I don't. I don't even know. I I I don't know. I guess my my big origin story is playing Guitar Hero. Like when I can what? when I when I really felt like okay now I understand why people like the Police because I've heard okay. like Roxanne I've heard Message in the Ball throughout the years, but they they were just songs by that band that kind of sings reggae but they're not reggae. But when we started playing Guitar Hero and then you kind of like break down the song itself, and it was it was Message in a Bottle, and you're kind of like oh wow it sounds fucking dope and so that was when. I really realized that, that the police are not just what I thought they were. They were better. And that's when I really, that, that's when I really started listening to the police more. So I guess, what was that, like 2008-ish? Give or take? Yeah, I would say. Guitar that sounds Hero about right. Era? 2007, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, 2008, 7, 8. Yeah, so be, like before that, it was just Roxanne. And like everybody fucking knows Roxanne. Everybody knows the lyrics to Roxanne, or at least what they think they are. Everybody knows Message in a Bottle, Every Breath You Take. But I never, I never mm-hmm. appreciated the police until I played a Guitar Hero. That, that's what, it's like that's my origin story. Is Guitar Hero. Okay, yeah. all right. I mean, I agree with you. I, hearing Roxanne from as far back as I can remember as a little kid, that song was always on the radio. My parents would play. I think they had like the greatest hits from the Police or something like that. They had some sort of compilation. So I remember that song a lot. I, I remember Message in a Bottle. Um, but like you, I, I didn't I didn't really appreciate them until Guitar Hero probably, and which is crazy because like I knew how great Stuart Copeland was because of his connection with Primus. Because getting into Primus like in middle school and high school, you know, reading more about Oysterhead and all that kind of stuff, and uh, you know, it's just it, you just kind of follow that that trail and realizing that Stuart Copeland was the same drummer. So it's just kind of like I knew about them, but yeah, I I didn't. I didn't really understand their music. I didn't listen to any of their records in full until probably late 2000s. So it took me a long, long time. And even then, I mean, all of their records are great. There's nothing bad there, but it's going to be, it's, it's rare when I ever want to go back and listen to an entire record by the police. So that's, I guess it's a little hint. 
to the rankings, okay. but uh, or the rating. But yeah, anyway, that's my that's my origin story. So let's get into uh, first impressions on uh, Outlandos de Amor from the police. So, or do you have any stinkers? I should say. No, I have no stinkers. I only have one song that is not a banger. Mm, okay. I have all bangers. I, I think they're all bangers, honestly. Well, why would you not buy and those on the care. vinyls? Because as much as I like it oh, and I think it's a, a great album, light. I don't think I would ever really go back and listen to it too often. I don't mind having this on vinyl. I really don't. Like, if I found, like, a copy for, like, 10 bucks, I'd get it for sure. But I'm not going to go out of my way to go fuck buy you it. you going to find, like, nice copy for 10 bucks? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> this guy. This <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, no, every Man. song every song on here is very good and every song is pretty different from there's only one song that kind of is like, dude, you're just kind of copying a song from the beginning of the album. Like there's only one song that really is like a almost carbon copy of a previous song on the record. But otherwise what's, it's it's just banger after banger, man. So what's your what's your what's your lowest I guess I I'll just say the only song that I don't think is a banger and then we can get over that yeah. real quick. But Born in the Fifties, I don't yeah. think that song's a banger. Same here. That, that that's my that's my lowest banger my 10b yeah it's 10B. just I, it's, I, I get it i get what they're trying to do here they're because they're, they're 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 a punk band they wanted to be a punk band but they also didn't want to be like a punk band and they knew how to play their instruments and they're all fucking pretty damn good at it so they yeah. couldn't be a punk band because they also just have the they didn't have the angst and this is the song that was kind of like a tongue-in-cheek way of them being a little cheeky about the whole thing and and, and trying to be a little bit more aggressive but it's just Nah. It came off as like almost kind of like cheesy seventies rock, like regular kind of blues rock. It was, it was a little too anthemic. The chorus a little too anthemic. It just, it just seemed disingenuous for a band like this. And it, I know it's not necessary. I know it came out after, but anytime I hear anybody in in, in music sing like born i just automatically go to springsteen and it just fucking ruins yeah, it that's true and i just i can't unhear springsteen doing his annoying fucking born in the usa song <laughs> that song is so fucking bland I it's just, so I vanilla do. the boss kills me man <laughs> kills me he he is seriously the foo fighters of the 1970s and 80s you know, it's, it's funny too because i like i like everything that he does that's not music related. I like him as a person. I think he's fucking hilarious. I think he's cool. I think he's so connected with his fans. Like everything yeah. I've ever read about him, it just sounds so cool. Like years ago, you know, he's riding his motorcycle in Jersey somewhere, sees a bunch of fans on the side of the road somewhere. They have like a bottle of tequila. He pulls over on his motorcycle, gets out, takes a couple shots with them, gets back on his bike and drives home. As he's driving <laughs> home, he immediately gets pulled over by the cops, gets a DUI. And that cop that pulled him over starts getting death threats. Like fucking people are sending police officers death threats because you don't, you don't arrest the boss in the Jersey area. <laughs> Just don't do it. It's, what were you thinking? <laughs> it's and that, that, crazy. That, that, that kind of clout I think is just fucking cool. And he's like, he's just like, I don't know. His performance is always cool. I don't know. Yeah. But go ahead. I digress. Is he, is he actually Italian or is he is it just cause he's from New Jersey? I, I'm, I know. I've never, I, I've, I, I always assume they love him because he's just from New Jersey. I mean, normally, you know, you hear like the Italian people get kind of crazy with other Italians. So that's that's why I'm curious. Is Springsteen like an Italian last name? I don't think so. That's why I'm, that's why I'm curious about it. It sounds like generic as fuck. It says he's Dutch, Irish and Italian descent. So he's not really Italian. Yeah. It's fake Italian. Yes. But and and, you know, OK, so everything that you just said, 
who does that sound like in more I mean, that sounds day? that sounds like dave Grohl. exactly the guy, <laughs> really the guy seriously he was the 70s and 80s foo fighters like vanilla as shit music and just a really cool guy outside of the music yeah, and like God, even that's... like Springsteen, much like Dave Grohl, like Springsteen never really did hard drugs. Like he pretty much abstained for the longest time of hard, hard drugs, drank and a little bit of pot here and there, but never really did like hard drugs. And he's a very, like, I don't know him. I don't watch like a lot of interviews with him, but when I do see something pop up, I stick to it because I like him outside of music and he always mm-hmm. just seems very like approachable. It seems like a very normal dude, a lot like Dave Grohl. Yeah, you're right. You're right. All right, so now we got Funny. now that we have born in the fifties out of the way, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. move on to your uh, biggest banger. What do you got? So I mean, I I, I don't know because I really want to talk about the bigger ones, but I want to get like the lower ones out of the way, kind of right now, because all okay. my three lower ones are attached together. It's born in the born in the fifties, truth hits, and then can't stand. Truth hits and can't stand. Those are my three okay. lowest bangers. So I mean, yeah, let's run through those real quick. If you have major let's, notes on those, are, are those are those like in the top five for you at all? Uh, not well. Truth hits is my number five, and then can't stand losing you is my uh, my eight. Okay. So, so I mean, we can just run through them real quick. Bit. That's fine. What, what, what do you want to go through first? Let, well, let's do. I mean, can't stand. It, I think it's just fine. It's a good. It's good. Yeah. There's a couple songs on here that I think are just really good filler. Like, damn, and that's, that's a good fucking filler song, and like that's a good fucking filler song, and I I like that. That that can't I can't stand losing. I can't. I can't. Well, I mean, the repetition, right? Get in there, get in the ear, like make the melody happen. I like that. Well, also, I mean, this is this is the song I was referring to. That's almost exactly like another one, and this song sounds like so lonely. Yeah, the it's the way the way pacing. it's structured. Yeah, it's just it's a little less punky, um, and it just doesn't have the same energy as so lonely. And it's, it, this is absolutely if we're gonna say any song is filler, it's it's this one for sure. Yeah. Even though that, that guitar riff is pretty damn pop punky during the chorus. Pretty pop punky. But otherwise, yeah. It just it, you don't need it. You just don't need it. I like I like where it sits. I like I like where all three of these songs sits. Coming off of Peanuts and then getting into like my favorite part of the album, but the Be My Girl and then Masako. Like I like yeah. where those songs sit. They're they're just they're easy songs. Like you need to calm down a little bit from Peanuts, and you need to prepare yourself for the fucking weirdness that's going to come. So I like where <laughs> those three songs sit, and it's cool. Yeah, yeah. And Truth Hits right. is a good song. It's a solid fucking song. I think Truth Hits is better than Can't Stand, but they're my three lowest uh, bangers. And what's weird about this one? So this one is probably their most their heaviest song on the entire. Re- this is actually definitely the heaviest. Song on the entire record that that guitar tone that that Andy's playing on this is is super super crunchy, um, but then also very pop punky at the same time. It's it's a weird it's a weird combination. Um, so it definitely gives the whole tone of the song a much different feel than 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 the rest of the album. Uh, and also on this one, I hear a ton of um, a ton of Josh Freeze. Like I he's always said that one of his biggest influences, if not his biggest influence, is Stuart Copeland. And you can 100% hear it on this on this particular song because it is one of the more pop punky songs. I just the way I just I immediately thought of Josh Freeze. I could I could definitely hear that. Yeah and yeah yeah it's just that's cool. I totally hear. It. But otherwise, <laughs> truth hits truth hits everybody. It's it's a good song, but definitely I don't know. It's it's mid tier mid tier. Okay. 
I just have I, I have the least amount of notes for those three, except for Born in the Fifties. I have a lot more notes. I, I just wish that yeah. one wasn't on there. Yeah, I mean, take that one out. Have nine nine songs. Have it like a cool thirty four minutes because I think it clocks in at thirty eight minutes, thirty eight something. So have it just thirty four minutes. It would have been mm. would have been real solid. Chef's kiss. Mwah. Exactly. Exactly. So let's, all right. Uh, so now let's, let's get, get into, into the good it. stuff, baby. Let's get into the good good stuff. My favorite song is the closer, <laughs> the Masako Tonga. That is my favorite song. <laughs> Fuck. It's it's a weird one for sure. That's my six B. God, this song is so good, dude. This is like their jam closer. This is oh, amazing. For sure. Amazing. It's like six minutes groove. long too. And throughout this whole thing, so so reading more about like Sting's play style and where he kind of came from and how he plays here, like he's got a great voice. He's got a he's, he's a fantastic singer. He's a really good bass player. And you kind of hear him showing off some of his chops here. He, dude, there's a lot of slides. There's some cool scales he does. There's a lot of chords that he's throwing out. It's mm-hmm. all deadly. He's throwing out like everything that he's got in his little bag here. And Sting fucking slays on this song. This is my favorite Sting song. Just his musical thing okay. that he's got going on. It's so good. Okay. So I hear a ton of Les Claypool on here too with the palm muted, the palm muted um, slapping and stuff. Some That's very, chickas. yeah. I mean, I know Les Capel obviously wasn't the first one to do it, but I think like J- Jaco Pastorius was like the first one to really kind of popularize that style, and really Sting just kills it, kill absolutely kills it playing that way too. And it's just, it's chaotic. The song is chaotic. It's extremely jammy. I agree with you, especially as you get like the latter part of the song. It gets super jammy, experimental, but it's, it just sounds like them having a lot of fun and. That's awesome, but oh, but it also has a ton of reggae there too. Like prior to the 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 jammy ending, there's a ton of reggae in this entire song, so it's good. This, was, this is a great song. This is uh so so like Sting couldn't quite hit all of these like reggae bass lines and sing at the same time. It was just it was hard for him transitioning from being like a kind of like a jazz player into this punk new wave reggae thing. So mm-hmm. a lot of his bass lines throughout this entire album are very, they're very choppy. They're broken up. There's a lot of like, like dead air where he can't quite hit all of the notes because he's trying to sing at the same time. And so this one, the, his lyrics are just, they're just gibberish. He's just fucking speaking and talking yeah. and really focusing <laughs> on the bass lines and like, damn, it works so well. It does. It does. So it, so I, the name too, like with the police, the, the album names are all just like either made up or they're just kind of they're just they're not in English. Let's just say that. And Masoko Masoko Tonga, that just means the markets of Tonga, and Tonga is a city in Tan, in Tanzania. So I had no idea about that. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool too. Yeah. And yeah. It's just a wild, wild Silly. fucking song. Wild song so with good. gibberish. No, that's, it's great. It's really a great song. That's my biggest banger right there. It's just It's such a departure From the rest of the record too It's so wild And it's so unexpected By the time you get to it But Once again If they had taken out Born in the 50s I mean This could have been A way way tighter album Yeah This could have been A perfect album Take out Born in the 50s It might Yeah Yeah You're not You're not wrong You're not wrong in that Because it's definitely Not a perfect album Spoilers I mean, I, um, I grade I grade based on like an objective standard. Even even if you have a corn album that has two or three bad songs, you would still rate that a perfect album. Thus, giving your standards a subjective approach. But that's okay. You know, two different. That's that's fun. That's fun I mean, that we have I a know, push and pull thing. That. That's great. Like I'm more of like, kind of like the, 
the the steady ground, you know, feet on the ground, you're more like head in the clouds type of thing, and that's that's great. It's a great dynamic. What's your one B? <laughs> oh, you're so you're so obnoxious. Sometimes. I just asked what your one B was. Is all I asked. Uh, okay, okay, all right. So yeah, my my one B is uh, next to you, the opener. It's gotta be. It's gotta be your number one, right? Why can't uh, it be your number one? Where was? Where does this one sit for you? That's my six B. Really? Yeah. Dude, it starts off. It's it starts off totally rock and roll. Totally rock and roll with those drums, the guitars. The verse comes in. Seriously. And then it just, the the very punk verse comes in, transitions into the chorus. It just, it just goes back and forth between this rock and roll and punk thing. It it actually reminded me a lot of Queen. Um, Like, I don't even know. I can't even think of a particular song, but one of their more punk influenced songs. That's what this reminded me of. Like the, the way that they were able to transition between the two, the two genres was was so seamless and it was so perfect and a lot of it has to do with Stuart with with uh, Copeland because his his transition his fills are they're extremely tight they're they're very they're not they're show-offy but they're they're classy at the same time if that makes any sense yeah. they're I don't know man I can't explain how Copeland plays he's, he's he's honestly one of the tightest drummers you'll ever hear honestly he the his play between the hi-hat and the snare is just, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. It's, it's, but, it's more so he's uh, like a percussionist rather than a drummer because he's using, his in, he's using the drum set as another instrument rather than just laying down like a beat. He's not a backbeat yeah. drummer like at all. He's, he's, he's in there. He's up there. And a lot of times he's up there under Andy Summers, but because like you can hear them both play at the same time, you're like, oh, yeah, dude, this is the Copeland show right now. Yeah, definitely. Andy Summers is fine. And he, he's got some cool shit. He just, it's his songwriting too, as as a drummer, because he knows when to 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 fill in a lot of the gaps with with big heavy toms, or he knows when to just to hit the the ride the the bell on the ride cymbal. I mean, it that that tone, that sound of him hitting the the bell on that is just so crisp. It's so clear, and it's so much of a signature of his style. You hear it on Roxanne especially in Roxanne and you hear it on so many other police songs like that to me is his signature is that is the bell on his ride symbol. It's, it's, it's so perfect. And he never does just like a normal four, four beat on, or like he, it's just always kind of doing something a little bit off on it too. And he's just such an incredible fucking drummer. He just knows how to write really, really amazing parts. And I wish I could really kind of explain it better, but I'm just not a drummer. So well, so like, I wish I so could explain just, it better. Just but in those, so just in those pieces right there, right? Stuart Copeland like, knows how to utilize symbols well. Just in that, just in the beginning of next to you, he's hitting the closed hi hat. He's hitting that real fast, and he's kind of going along mm-hmm. with Andy Summers. And then he also hits like soft crashes. Then he hits that ride bell. So he's not afraid to use like all of the symbols in his in his kit, and he uses them in yeah. different ways that you would not normally use them. But he always kind of comes back to like the closed hi hat. But it's not a tight close; it's a little bit loose close. You get a little bit yeah. of ring in there, and so I like I like that that he starts and kind of ends the same way, and everything in the middle is just is just bizarre and weird. And he doesn't hit those ca- those crashes super loud. He kind of hits those crashes like he's hitting a ride, so it's a little bit quieter. But you're getting a lot of like that resonance going on, and I just I I think he's fucking amazing. It's unreal. And like you said with the transitions, the dude make 
it, 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 a lot of the stuff the police did on this album in particular, their transitions are, are abrupt. They don't make any fucking sense. No, They're they so don't, abrupt. But it works. They tra- it's, it's a fucking screeching halt. They'll go from a reggae thing into a punk thing, and it makes no sense. But because Copeland can play it off and then bring those beats back from like the reggae into the, the chorus that's like a punk chorus, but then still kind of bring it back to like the reggae beat that he was doing while also doing the chorus, it makes the transition abrupt, but also like, like oh, I get it. I get it. It makes sense. It's like, like his his playing is also for for lack of lack of a better way of explaining it. It's like the perfect fusion of a of a of a huge swing groove mixed with the with a super tight feel as well. Like I maybe maybe it's the looseness, the swinginess of his playing that that allows for the, the ease of transition between the verses and the choruses or or styles I should say. Because he's still so so fucking tight, but you just hear him kind of just swing just swinging along the entire way. It's just, he never seems like, like parts that, that seem very rushed when he's doing like the 16th notes on the hi-hats during the more punky stuff, even when he's playing that, it doesn't sound like he's having a hard time doing it. Like you hear a lot of punk drummers do the 16th notes, note on the hi-hat and, and it just sounds like it's about to fall apart. Like every 70s yeah. punk band, you lose any mis- Misfits, Black Flag, Ramones, Pistols, all of them, they all sound like they're about to fall apart. But the way the way Copeland plays it, it just sounds like this is every day for him. It's it's nothing at all, and then just bouncing right out of that into like some fucking ride shit or just whatever he does. It's just incredible how he could just go back and forth with such ease, and it never sounds like it's gonna fall apart. He never rushes. It's just he's he's a he honestly is objectively a perfect drummer. He, yeah, he really, really he, he really he really is. is. And he deserves every bit of credit he's ever he's ever got. The it's guy's funny because like Andy Summers is almost ten years older than them, and mm-hmm. so he had already been playing in bands like well known. He's been playing with well known artists prior to being in the Police, and like also reading the lyrics in some of these on um, um, this whole album too. Like which is not like nothing here is really deep anyway. But no. I was like, dude, you guys are at least in your late twenties. Like I don't know. I kind of it kind of made the lyrics a little bit less fun and kind of more like, eh, that's kind of dumb, dude. Like Sting writing well, about they, this stuff at like 27, 28 years old. Eh. Yeah. Eh. It, it, it is a little bit cheesy, but I don't think that was the point of the police. The point of the police was to fucking just play music. And because they're all just so talented. Like when you look at any band who's extremely talented musically, the lyrics always fall short. Look at a band like Van Halen. Everybody in that band is amazing. Except for the lyrics. The lyrics are kind of shit. You know, it, and unless unless the singer is just a singer and lyricist, it's going to be kind of shit. That's true. I mean, and that's how the police are. Sting is 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 using his voice more as an instrument rather than like a vessel to to get across a point. Exactly. But it's still just kind of like, eh, eh. I don't know. I, I like I like when bands release a debut album that is fucking fantastic and they're like twenty. I guess I'm just <laughs> yeah. I, when when they release a debut album that's fantastic and they're like almost thirty, eh, kind of loses a little bit of the uh, the mystique for me. I get it. I get it. But yeah, what about uh, dude? Like, so a- Andy Summers overall, this album, he's good. Rarely, he's is the great, weakest part, but he's good. Yeah, and he has yeah, cool parts. But he has cool parts because everyone else is letting him do so. But this one in particular, he's got a fucking really rad. So first of all, like his his little like chords that he's using, mm-hmm. he's he's hitting those that shit so fucking loud, and it's in the front of the mix, and it sounds like some shit Pete Townsend would do with the Who. <laughs> like it's just so yeah. aggressively loud. Like why is it so fucking loud? I like that. That's very punk of him to do. And that solo that he does. It's a great solo. Slows down. I mean, get like Summer's just fucking 
dope slide guitaring and it's not mm. even very good but it's like oh hell yeah i like i like what you're trying to do i like where your head's at and i like how you're doing it it sounds rad he has a Works. he has a lot of wonky kind of things throughout the record like uh solo wise because he had the slide guitar here there's a couple of songs where he just does some like weird shit with the effects things like you would never expect from the police like it seems a little too off the wall for something that they would do because they I mean, based off of everything we've listened to, it they they just seem like a perfectionist type of band, or at least Sting does. So to throw in anything like wonky and kind of experimental seems odd. And when you hear him hear these certain solos, it's just like, damn, dude, that's like imagine if like they really let Andy Summers run wild, or if Sting allowed it, like we, you could get some probably some he probably would have played some really rad shit, like some King Crimson level kind of stuff there. But I don't think Sting would have ever allowed that. Anyway, which is weird too, because like Sting comes from like this like jazz fusion kind of background prior to the police. So you'd think like he would allow for more experimentation, more jams and everything like that. It just, it seems kind of odd that he never let, he never allowed it. Very, it's very just, strange. Uh, the band, I mean, this band's sound is, is so unique and there's very few to like none that sound like the police. There are other, there are other kind of new wavy bands that can do reggae and interpolate it like even I don't know, like blondie's done stuff that sounds similar b52s talking heads clash but obviously. nothing that sounds exactly like the police what's well, because none of those those bands have the chops that's what that's what really makes well, them stand on, apart dude a lot of i mean yes blondie has the chops b52s have the chops and talking well, heads definitely have the chops no no not to it's just, no it's just, no it's no just no different not to the extent of of the police no i they're all great musicians. Don't get me wrong, but this band—they certainly the don't have the chops. Successful because these guys are good. These, this band is successful because they did something that no one else had fucking done before, and yeah, they, because they are good at what they do, it made it better. But it's this sound. This sound has like never been replicated, and you can't replicate. Well, that's, there's this that because too. It's it's just so fucking weird. It's not punk. It's not new wave. It's not reggae. It's not really good at anything. But because it's its own thing, it's great. And you yeah, could, I, I mean, you could put a, a, a mediocre drummer or bass player or anything, and it would still be really fucking unique and cool. Mm, I, just, I don't because they are really that. good at their instruments. It made it great. I think I think the only member that could be interchangeable would be Andy Summers. I really think that a, would be the only. You one. could put a mediocre drummer in there, and it would no, still be cool. No, no, the sound. Because, would, why wouldn't Why wouldn't the sound no. be there? The sound would be there. Of course, it would. Because I I feel like Copeland's parts are just too. They're too ingrained into the overall sound nah, of the song. There's only one person you can't take out, and that's Sting. This band is, is nothing well, without course. Sting. Well, of course. He's the main songwriter the voc- and the vocalist. But that's of what course. makes this so unique. Not the drumming, not the guitar playing, not even the bass playing. It's Sting's vocals. It's the way Sting sings things. Because well, he sings it's so how high, he too. Sings things. But he doesn't always sing high. Most of the time he does. But like in and that was actually there's a lot of low parts in Roxanne, and then he goes really fucking high, and he screams, and he yells, and he wails, and it's weird, and there's like reggae things in the back, but those little upstrokes that Andy does, any fucking dr- guitar player can do that. That's, that's not I, and that's that's what I said. Andy Summers is the most interchangeable member of the band. But as long as you can get any drummer out there that can just play like a decent like reggae beat, they would be fine. I don't think so. I I I, just, I totally disagree with you on that. You're telling me that you get any drummer in in this band that can just hold a reggae beat and the police but would the, be shit. But that's the thing. The, is that what the, you're telling me? The police aren't a reggae band. Is that band. what you're they, telling they me? They do they do so much more than reggae. That's my whole point. Copeland's Copeland's beats stem from just a generic reggae beat. 
if any uh, if any drummer can just hit a generic reggae beat, you're telling me this band would be shit. Yeah, because he, because they have no you're just being they, silly boy right now. No, I'm not. I'm not at all because Dude, the melodies are way they, too strong. They, they dabble. To, nah, the melodies are strong, but the way that nah. they jump from genre, like we just talked about this ten minutes ago. The way they jump from genre to genre, you have to have a really great, great drummer to be yeah, able to do that so fucking seamlessly. They would still be good. They would still hold the water. They would still be iconic. They would still be pioneers in the sound. I don't I don't think but so. They wouldn't, because be, they wouldn't be God tier. They'd still be fucking A tier for sure. I don't think so. I think it would have been That's way silly. too You're sloppy. Fucking, what are you talking about? You're telling they, me you, it would be the way only too sloppy. Per, then that means like like Copeland holds as much water as Sting is what you're saying. I think he I think not as much, but damn close. Yeah, I, I absolutely believe ta- that. What? Did you fall down? <laughs> I absolutely believe that. What are you that, talking yeah. about? My voice cracked because I'm just so <laughs> flabbergasted by the stupidity that is just spewing from that <laughs> hole in your face. It's true, though. It is not true in any way. Yeah, it is form. true. He's a great drummer. That no doubt about it. One of the best. But very, very rarely can you take a drummer out of a band, and then that band like dips dramatically. And this I is think not this one band would. Bands. Yeah, I no. think it would. I think the obviously the melodies are there. All that shit is there because of Sting, but I know, you need. Ain't that, nobody those, sings Roxanne like, "Oh, that fucking Copeland beat, dude." That's what I'm singing. Like, no, dude. Everybody sings Roxanne. Well, that's not I, Copeland. That's not what I said. I said, yeah, the melodies are great. They, they st- stand alone. The melodies on their own are fucking amazing, but as a song, uh, the song as a whole, the songs as a whole, you need that the the transitions, the seamless transitions that. Copeland provides yeah maybe if they didn't have Copeland at the time or maybe if they never had Copeland the songs would have been written differently but because they had Copeland or Sting had Copeland he was able to write these kind of off the wall kind of sections and transitions and shit like that maybe he would have spent more time on making the transitions melody wise bass you know songwriting wise but he could also fall back on Copeland when he needed to and I feel like that's why Copeland is also so fucking important to the band He's important, no, but I, but again, I. He's, this band is great because of all of them, but if you took Copeland out, this band would still be no, really, really I, no, good. No, they, it wouldn't, but it wouldn't be the same band. That's the thing. Yeah, it would. They, they, they could be really it would great. Just, it would but just it wouldn't, wouldn't be as good. But the, the songs, same but the songs, band, which is, the songs would not be about? the same. The songs would not be the same. One hundred percent, they well, wouldn't. Obviously, be the same. they wouldn't be the same because he's not there. So they would be drastically good. different. Because once again, there are moments like on Roxanne, on 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 next to you. There are there are sections in that song that make no sense, but are only held together because of Copeland. So in that, Sting would have to change the way he writes the songs to make the nah, songs flow. He could, he could no, just find any wrong. generic like, like no, drummer that can keep a regular beat. Nah. Okay, now nah. now you're just now you're repeating stupid nah. things, and we should move on because now you're just you're because being, I, you're being we dumb. don't we don't we don't disagree that Copeland is a is a amazing drummer. That's that's it. We're in agreements there. But this band can still survive with just a generic drummer who can just play a reggae beat, maybe church it up a little bit. It wouldn't be as churched up as Copeland, but it would still be fine. And this band would succeed, maybe not as much in like the musicians' world, like musicians talking about the police talk higher of them because they were all great at their instruments. So maybe they they wouldn't get that much clout. But yeah, they would be still they would still be extremely successful. Maybe almost, maybe like just maybe almost as successful even without Copeland. But yeah, I, you don't need them. Nah, okay, we're we're done. We're done with this. We're not done with this episode, but we're done with this conversation. I think you just. I think you just, I think just. I think you're trying a little, maybe a little bit too no. hard to like, like I don't know. I don't know, be a, be a drummer or something over here. He's, you know, <laughs> we're repeating ourselves, and like like you take Neil Pert out of Rush. That dude, come on, that's that's like given, done. 
gone. Well, of course. Like, what the fuck is yeah. rash without nail perk? Nothing. Of course. Of course. You tell me that's the same as like with the police? It's the same thing, yeah. Fuck yeah, here. It's what the same thing, but it's it, it's it's not fuck. fair. You can't see my hand. Get the fuck out of here. Okay. Let's fuck move on. Let's move silly. on. That was fucking, you're a silly boy right now. Let's move on. That's silly. So what do you got for your for your 2B? Got Curse Light there. Be my girl. Right. Sally. <sighs> Be my girl Sally is my 9B. So let's get into that. I hate this song. What part of what, so which part of the song do you hate? The melody like the or song. the spoken word? <laughs> I mean the spoken word is pretty pretty silly. This is also kind of a filler song. Like I would be fine, well I wouldn't be fine with taking the last song out, but this song could also be a closer. It's it, it, it's set up to me. It's set up more as an outro because it's just there's nothing. It's not like a traditional kind of verse chorus verse chorus. It's just kind of lighthearted. It's like a lighthearted punk song with some really good harms in the hook. But yeah, the spoken word monologue. It just kind of it's just so stupid. I mean, it's cool. <laughs> so like, it's great. So, it's cool and so great, but come, it's just so. How dumb. come when Tom and Mark are fucking throwing the dick down the stairs, you like fucking cream <laughs> your pants and think it's the greatest Dude. thing that God's ever given to this earth? But when anybody else does it, it's stupid and filler and dumb and should be thrown away. <laughs> this is funny. This is like objectively funny. It, it is funny. It, it is tells good. a story, but it's not too goofy and it's not too serious and it's. It's 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 actually funny. This is actually funny. It is funny. Yeah, it is. Funny. And it's even more funny because the way they talk, because their their accents are stupid. If you don't have like from a Southern California accent, then you're stupid, straight up. That's facts. Facts of life. So I also I completely forgot about the how who taught you how to throw a dick down the stairs. Who taught you how to throw the dick down? And then just stomps his hands and like <laughs> slaps his body. <laughs> I can I you know I completely forgot about that until earlier this week. I it randomly popped into my mind. And I just started laughing out, laughing out loud. I was LOLing, and I just because I hadn't hadn't thought about that for who knows how long. But yeah, it's so fucking funny when he says that. For me, the best part of that joke was like growing up. Like the the funny part was how like who taught you to throw the dick down the stairs? Like that was funny. <laughs> and then like as as we got older, the funny part was was thinking about them slapping their body, trying to mimic <laughs> the sound of something falling down the stairs, and how stupid that probably looked. And probably the big old grin on their face as they were recording <laughs> that. Like, that's so funny. Because <laughs> they were literally like 18, 19 years old in this studio for the first time. No money. Just fucking around in that studio. And they just do, they decide of all the things to record, they record that. And it's it's so goddamn funny. And that's why I think like like when like these guys are like 28, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's a little yeah. bit old. And Danny Summers is older than them. So Andy Summers is already over 30. I mean, maybe he was he was probably like 35 when this came out, right? I'd say so, yeah. That's like, dude, this is like us doing this, which is not unheard of. This is something we would do, but we're a little bit too old for this. We're a little bit I, too you know, old. You know what? We're not, though, because I, I feel like the humor would never leave us. So if we had money to do this kind of shit, we would 100% do it. I like Seriously. It. Come on. I like the part. I like the part in the thing when he's talking. He sees. He says uh, she's cuddly and she's bouncy. She's like a rubber ball, but he says she's cuddly and she's bouncy. She's like a rubber ball, <laughs> and you can really hear the accent coming thick. And I don't know why, but that just makes me laugh so fucking hard. I bounce her in the kitchen and I bounce her in the hole. <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> so stupid. Ah, <laughs> oh, dude. But then the like, would you won't you be my girl part? Like that's instantaneously catchy. 
Come on. It is. It's very, very catchy. I, I agree. But once again, this is like, this is, this would be, honestly, this would be a better outro than, than whatever. I forgot, dude. How do you? I, I agree though. Matsako Tonga, whatever it yes. is. See, th- think, th- this is one of the things that's so frustrating about this band sometimes is that they have such like weird names for songs and titles of the records that sometimes I, I forget what they're actually called. Yeah. So that that's annoying. But yes, this this would be a better outro than than Masoko. Masoko. This one this one fades out anyway. So why not just put this as the last song and then fade out from that? Won't you be my girl part? Yeah. And so, you know what ma- what makes the um. The spoken word part even funnier. Oh, we never mind. Stuart Clipman was the was the was the American guy. He's from he's American. I was gonna say because Andy Summers does the the spoken word part, and then I I thought oh he he's American and he's doing a British accent and that would have made it so much funnier. That w- like I, had that Stuart Copeland done really it, funny. that'd be way funnier. But then I just realized Andy Summers is British too. Yeah, he's from Britland. Oh man, it it is very funny. And the song is about an inflatable sex doll. Yeah. I mean that's really that's there's no nothing deep about this, and they're just fucking around in the studio. I think they really only recorded this probably because they needed a certain to cover a certain amount of time for the LP. I really think that's what it is. There's no excuse is, for this song. It is kind of funny because like it's it's and then most of Sting's songs are are endearing and and, and lovey dovey, and this one starts off like that. Won't you be my girl? And mm-hmm. then it you know the they, they, the whole like inflatable doll thing comes up. And the outro is exact same as the beginning, and it's "Won't You Be My Girl." But then it, it makes you think about that thing a little bit differently. So it hits a little bit differently, beginning and the end. I think that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it does. It's cool. But I don't think there's there was a lot of thought put into this. I mean, this is a song that if you took Stuart Copeland out, like it would be just as good. But that's all right. <laughs> this is not like a real a proper song. Of course not. It's one of the strongest melodies on the album. That chorus it, it, is no, one it, of the strongest choruses on the album. Yeah, that hook is instantaneously catchy. Of course, yeah, the hook is very, very catchy. But otherwise, whatever, whatever. I mean, but that's that's important. Now, how many times we shit talk a song because like the verses are catchy, but the chorus sucks, or the chorus is super catchy, but the verses sucks. I mean, there's no different, except that that's this true. is a deliberate attempt at making a shitty verse. So they just they spoke it. They speaked it. They speaked it. Before right. he speak his soup, he spoke. What is that? Is that Estelle? Yeah, it's Kanye. No, okay. Estelle. Or Kanye. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, Gina. We got to do Kanye again on the pod. We did, what did we do? College dropout? Like we did years ago, right? We did oh, 808 yeah, more recently. Yeah. We should. I don't do think Kanye. we've ever done college. I don't think we've ever done college dropout. And we should. You're right. Yeah, someday. That's someday. our fault. We should do Jesus, but that's fine. There's, that's all in there, dude. Or graduation. <laughs> That'd be fun, too. Yeah. Actually, we should do graduation. That's an easy one. I'd rather one. do That's, that than college. Yeah. 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 But anyway. Let's do it now. <laughs> Dude, I'm down. I'm going to be here all night. Damn, I can't um, do Connie now. Maybe we could do this next week. I don't know. We'll see. Really bad. We can get into uh, Kardashian season. We could do oh Kanye. Oh, God, dude. Connie's then we could do, fucking Travis. And then we could or... do a Travis record, his solo record. And then we could do a Tyga record. Because one of the girls is with Tyga, right? I don't know. I don't know. We could do Kardashian season. Let's do it. God, that'd be so dumb. But I'd be down. I would did be Lamar down. Odom ever ever cut a record? Because that would be oh, dude, that'd be did. so good. <laughs> I don't think he has. I don't think he has. Damn Kardashian season. That'd be something else. That is. That, that sounds wild. like the fucking worst thing. No, but it wouldn't though. That could have ever been done. 
No, because it wouldn't. Because we do a fucking awesome Kanye record. We do that the Travis Solar record, which is a pretty solid record. And then you know, I don't know about the the Tiger record, but it's probably bad. But we just shit on it the whole time. So that'd be fun too. I just I just wouldn't want to say Kardashian on air, even though I just said it. But like it, it just seems like we're giving them more free publicity for doing more nothing than they've already been doing. At this point, who so we cares? We call it K season. Call it K season. I'm down with doing K season. That's all I'll call it. K season. Or K. Chris Jenner or Caitlyn Jenner season. Yeah. <coughs> KJ season. Anyway. KJ. KJS. CJ. Anyway. What, yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. Ah, uh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay, here we go. So, uh, Be My Girl. We good on, we good on this one? Uh, yep. All right. So, let's get into... You, you good with, right, with Be My right. Girl, right? Yeah. All right. So, my uh, my 2B is Roxanne. Let's get Rock into it, Roxanne! <laughs> as overplayed as this song is, it's, it's still so a goddamn good. banger. It's such still a, a good banger. song. Yeah. It really is. Just the how his bass line is very kind of reggae, too, and... It it just leaves so much open in the entire song. There's so much there's so much dead air in this song that this should not be a popular song. It should never have been as popular as it, as it as it was or is because of how much dead air there is in this whole in the entire song. And how that's weird makes, it is. It's that's just what makes like, like the police more punk than they even like think they are because from what I read, there's dead air because Sting couldn't do everything at the same time. He just wasn't good yeah. enough. And like yeah. that's that's so that's I don't know that's so fucking punk. Like, instead of just working around it, I'm just gonna stop playing and just keep singing and then let like these little choppy parts let this let me butcher up my bass line by leaving in dead air because I just can't fucking do it. But I'm gonna do it anyway. Who cares? So yeah, good. and it worked. But then it like totally your boy comes in and he fills up those those gaps. He fills in those spaces, which is really cool, like nuance. So, but go, what? Go okay, what? What's great with Copeland in this song is that in the pre-chorus, he uses like the big, the big toms, the big heavy toms that really fill in, fill in the gaps to transition into the faster, into the faster chorus with the, with the harmonizing and all that great shit in the chorus. But then in the verses, it's just very kind of super fucking tight, very open, very airy sounding, but it's just, it's so cool. Once again, with Copeland's ability to write drum parts how we can just completely change the style, completely not change the style, but change the feel going from the verse to the pre-chorus, building into that chorus. It's just, it's fucking amazing. So There's this, fucking amazing. My, my favorite like Copeland thing on this entire record is on this song. And it's the way he transitions. Those, that little like, yeah. Roxanne, like whatever that little part is. It's like, it, it reminds me of that little fill in in the middle by Jimmy Rolled. Or there's like, Bruh. Bah, and then it hits that little that little stutter well, right there. It, it's like he he hits like he hits the toms of the dun dun dun, dun and then he hits the guts. he hits the the snare and then the hi hat. He's hitting like the the open. He's like it's like the open hi hat that he closes real quick, kind of like that disco kind of beat sound. Very similar to like like smells ah, like Teen so Spirit kind of intro. Like that, yes, yeah, like exactly. Whatever Dave Grohl's doing on that, whatever that is called, that's kind of what he's doing on this. Exactly. And it sounds weird, but then like he does it in the chorus again to kind of like bring it back. So he said, yeah, even though that was an abrupt transition, I'm going to do that same exact beat in the chorus. So you forget that it was an abrupt transition and just realize that it's part of the beat now. Part of it. Yeah. Oh, he's so Great good. drummer. He's fucking incredible. Fucking yeah. incredible. And just, you know, the, the, the way, I mean, honestly, the, the way this entire record is mixed and mastered 
and produced, honestly, considering how cheap of a budget they had, it's just a perfect sounding record from every which way. And this song in particular, the just how thick how thick sounding Sting's bass is on this is is just oh it's so nasty. It sounds so good. It sounds he's, so good. He has a good. fucking really cool line like in the chorus too. It's it's he does, very yeah. it's it, like usually he's kinda squirrely and kinda all over the place, but in the chorus he kinda like keeps it simple. Kinda keeps it like just very basic, but then adds like a little bit of flourish here and there. Mm-hmm. And to think that yeah, this whole album totally. was produced by the fucking police themselves too. Like, what the hell? Like, how? What were you thinking? <laughs> I know. And they had to borrow the money to to record the record. So they they had fifteen hundred pounds, one thousand five hundred pounds, however many dollars that is, and um, that's that the Stewart's brother Miles l- lent them the money. They ended up going a little bit over budget, so they ended up only p- spending like two thousand pounds on this record to record it. And they recorded it, I think, in like over like a two month period, but it was like intermittent. Like they would only go into the studio like in the middle of the night, or if like another band had canceled, they would go in for a little while and record. So I think in the end, this was recorded over two months, but very, very intermittently, which is super rad, man. And like, how do you how do you do this with so little? You not only do you have like no no proper producer engineer, nothing like that, that that you're consistently working with, and then. You, it's just three guys making this, this much noise. Three yeah. guys making this much noise, and they're not even a loud band. Like they're not like they're not like a Sabbath or a Zeppelin or like any metal band from this era. They're not. They're, it, it's just crazy how much they, how much sound they make. Not even like bands like Cream, like another big three piece. They didn't make this much sound. It's, it's crazy, man. It's fucking. Crazy. It is crazy. It's it's crazy just how much noise these guys can make. How much dead air they can fill. Which is cool nuance from three guys. Yeah. Yep. And also getting back into the chorus, the the harmonizing. Oh, I love the, I love the harms on this one. Do you so like like when you <laughs> so I assume good. you do because I do. So when you're singing this in your car, like are you doing Sting's part or are you trying to do the harms? Always doing the harms. I always do the always harms. Always doing too. the like harms. I, I always sound like shit when I do it, but I always try and do the harms. It's so much more fun. It's like when. So a lot of the har- or a lot of the harms on this record reminds me of uh, Van Halen, especially on the first Van Halen record because the harms are so great on that one. And much like Van Halen, I only want to sing the harms. I don't want to sing David Lee Roth's parts. I just want to sing those harms. Oof. You want to go down so, to the the rocks and rocks and like those are the those <laughs> yeah. are the those are the good ones. It's so yeah, great, I like that. dude. And the song ends with that double time too. Like, come on, yeah, come on. Come on. God, it's it adds so much energy to the song that double time at the end. Yeah, it's and then it's, the way the I mean, way perfect song, oh, dude. What's so cool too is like the end of that at the end of the song, he's just singing the chord, uh, just singing the that melody over on repeat. But then when Stewart is changed, he not only double times it, but he adds like the flourishes that he's doing in the pre-chorus with the 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 tom hits. He's he's doing he's adding that at the very end too to add more sound to round out the song that way, and it's just. Once again, man, Copeland kills it. Absolutely it kills it in the song. So I like um I like I like I like, like. Sting's voice. I like I like, but like I like Sting's voice. And I know we've done this episode or we've done this album before and we talked about this, but yeah. I had for completely forgotten about it until this week too. But that whole like beginning thing where he, he sits on the piano and then laughs. Like, yeah, I had forgotten about that, and I did too. <laughs> I I was listening, and I can hear the laughing thing, and I always thought laughing was part of the the song, 
but I didn't hear the piano part. He had to turn it up pretty damn loud to hear him like sit on the piano or do whatever the fuck he was doing with the piano to hear that like piano like thing. But the laugh thing, like that's just it's like maniacal, even though it's just it's just a goofy mm-hmm. little thing they left in. It God, it fits with the fucking vibe, dude. It fits with the song so well. But you got you really have to turn it up loud to even hear the laugh. The laugh you can hear better than the piano, but yeah, For it's sure, still yeah. it's still buried because the song drops right into to to essentially the rhythm section at this point because it's just Summers and Copeland, and mm-hmm. they're just doing their thing. But then they, yeah, Sting laugh. I don't know. It's cool. It's cool. And really, Andy Summers is, I mean, his guitar playing is iconic, but it's still just so kind of it's just so generic, which I hate saying, but it's just like a very generic very generic guitar playing with the upstrokes and everything. But his guitar tone, honestly, his guitar tone on this entire record is, is incredible. It sounds, I mean, it just, his well, clean it tones. It so much. Like it does. So many clean tones he's doing. Oh, his clean tones are just, are just perfect. Absolutely. But sometimes perfect. like he, he throws like a solo in there and it's a clean solo. And it's like, dude, that sounds kind of like shit. And if you had some distortion on there, it would have sounded a lot better. And it's like, okay. But like, that was the point. That was the point of them. They were trying to be more more stripped down, and they're trying to compete with their punk contemporaries, but also not be their punk contemporaries because they're not as angsty. And so I think there's this band's a lot more punk than like they lead on, even though they're kind of in the punk section and the subgenre. This band's a lot more punk, like in 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 ethics and, and mentality than they lead yeah. on. And funnily enough, they were all, all they were often like really criticized for not being edgy enough to be called punk. So yeah. they were criticized by other punkers, by the media, by everybody else. But yeah, in the end, they were way more punk than Sex Pistols. The Sex Pistols were, they're essentially a record label plant. I mean, they're just, God, it's, ah, Jesus, I don't I mean, like, musically, Sex Pistols could be, like, arguably one of the worst things that's ever happened in this this earth. But, like, Sex Pistols did embody, scene. like, the punk aesthetic. Like, they looked punk. They did punk things, and they fucked people. And they're like, ah, fuck you, fuck you, yeah. But that's it. Whatever they do. But, they, but yeah, their music sucks balls. They it's did, like, like two or three tours, and one of which they didn't even finish. Sid Vicious couldn't even play his fucking instrument. Which is kind of punk, though, like, <sighs> Ugh, to be just, fair. It's just so, it's just exhausting. Like, how many punk bands did we see at, like, Chain Reaction where, like, dude, you guys suck at your instruments, but they still played them, and I was like, okay, that's kind of punk, though. Yeah, it is, but they also, the bands we used to see at Chain Reaction, you know, aren't the Sex Pistols. You know, they, they, they never they never reach that that legendary status that the Sex Pistols have. So, it's just the Sex Pistols blow, man. Fuck that band. I, I, I give them a little bit more more credit as time goes on. I I... I the punk mentality, the punk DIY ethic is kind of there. And, you know, they played on like a boat to like fuck the queen or some shit at some point. That's pretty punk. That's cool. No, I think you're thinking of like the grandson burned like a bunch of Sex Pistols merch, like classic merch on a boat. I think that's what you're referring to. No, they played played on a yacht. Six years ago, five years ago. No, no. What you're thinking of is when... Like somebody who was related to the band got a bunch of like classic merch, like that, like some just some really rare shit, and they got on a boat and they burned all of it. What do you call just when like the fucking giggles? queen gets elected and like there's like there's a specific word for like the queen and coronation, and something like that, but it's called something stupid. <laughs> it's called something stupid. Okay, it's, it really is. It's called something so dumb. But the Sex Pistols like kind of like took over that or something on a boat, and it was this mm. big like fuck you thing. And 
and like everybody was really mad at them and, and it happened on the same day like something of coronation but not coronation is called something jubilee else, time. A jubilee yeah jubilee that's what it is okay that's a stupid thing because it's the fucking dude X-Men, I'm, dude. I'm sure <laughs> i'm sure skip is probably screaming oh he's at, fuming he's probably yeah he's probably so mad right now he's probably at this moment he's dming us right now he, he probably, he, he probably turned from like a, like, he probably turned from a Birmingham accent into like a Peaky Blinders accent where you just can't <laughs> even understand what he's saying because he's so fucking mad. Maybe Peaky Blinders took place in Birmingham. No yeah, sense. but like, but how come, like, how come I can't understand what they're saying, but I can understand what he's saying? You, oh, you're thinking of Cockney. Because I remember that, that was what he said. Like, a couple of the guys on, on, on Peaky Blinders, they didn't speak with a, with a Brummy accent. They spoke with a Cockney accent. And that's the one that's hard to understand. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. That's what he. That's what he's doing. No, I but like I, again, just kill it real quick. Sex Pistols have done punk things, the punk aesthetic. I get it. I get why they are popular. I just wish they weren't. That's all. Agreed. That's so, all. with uh, we good with Roxanne? I mean, the, the song actually Roxanne. outside of the lyrics. Do we have anything else on on Roxanne? No, and we and we really like we rarely kind of praise singers outside of lyrics. We rarely praise them for just like. Being a good singer, yeah, and like Sting's a good fucking singer. He Even is a his good shitty solo albums that I just cannot fucking stand. Like he's a good singer. Dude can have. Dude has range, but he also has like inflection. He can just take, like that Roxanne, right? He can mm-hmm. just go up or down if he wants. And like the, the you say mine is made up, and he has like a little bit of like a like a like a like a crackle in his voice where his voice cracks. But he does it so perfectly, yeah. so smooth. Like the God, the guy's so smooth. He d- yeah, he does have a ton of range. He sings. There are moments on this record where he just sings super high. Um, there's some songs where he has a lot of grit, like a lot of soul to his voice that you don't hear on a lot of the the later police records. I, I can't say for his solo records, but a lot of the police records you don't hear that kind of grittiness, soulful thing that he does on on this particular record. So I mean, he really does. He does have range, man. He really, really does. Super talented yeah. guy. I, I really don't want to talk shit on him because he's just... Who, Sting? Yeah, Sting. What would you talk so shit about him? Just the fact that he releases terrible solo albums? <laughs> terrible solo yeah. albums. And also, he's he's a whiny little brat sometimes. He, he's he's a fucking brat for sure. <laughs> I do he like really I do like that he's never changed his name, though, like legally to Sting. He stayed like his... his his Christian name, whatever the fuck, boring ass. Oh, it's Gordon yeah. something. And he's like, yeah, because like, who the fuck calls me that? Like, my kids call me Sting. Everybody calls me Sting. Like, I don't need to change it. That's, that's, that's pretty true. gangster. Yeah. I like that. It is pretty cool. <laughs> it is pretty cool. Pretty cool. That's punk. That see, that's that's punk right there. Yeah, that yeah, really is right. Yeah, it is. It it totally is. But then, like you know, we talked about in the in the the rankings episode how there was one song that Andy Summers wrote that Sting just did not like, so he refused to play on it. So Andy just recorded the bass and recorded everything himself. And that ended up on the record. And it's just, it goes to, like, dude, just, if some guy's writing in the band, even if you don't really like it, just kind of play. Just have fun. Jam, you know? And and reading more about the band prior to this record, they had an original guitar. They, they, were, they started out as a three-piece, and then Andy Summers joined, and I forgot the original guitar player's name. I Damn it, I don't remember his name. Pat something? I don't know. Her but tears, really. he, he just wasn't as good as Andy Summers, and and Sting knew it, and he just they kind of like slowly pushed the guy out of the band before Andy Summers eventually said, you know, th- here's the ultimatum. Yeah, either I go or he goes, and then they ended up firing the, the original guitarist. But just things like that, like he he just kind of like, I feel like he kind of undermined, undermined other members, 
And I feel like that's where a lot of where like Stuart Copeland and Sting really kind of clashed too, because it, it was just the ego thing. And I really don't think it was because of Copeland. Like you, you watch interviews with Copeland and he seems so down to earth and such like such a nice guy. But then you watch Sting interviews and he seems very pompous, very, very pretentious. Again, it's, though, it's I for mean, sure Sting. Dude, Sting versus Copeland. Like, okay, Copeland's a better musician comparatively. Like, Copeland's better at the drums and Sting is at the bass. Copeland's better at the drums and Sting is like writing songs and melodies. He's just, he's better. But like, nobody cares about drummers. Like, Copeland's probably, <sighs> without even giving it a thought, Copeland's top 20 of all time drummers. I would probably say top, top 10, 10 objectively. I would say objectively top 10. Yeah. So, but like, but like, Sting's not a top bass player he's not a top songwriter but like holy shit dude the stuff he did with the police is is, is legendary it's, it's stuff that that will be talked about forever once again because of the way society works once again a lot work. of it has to do with with copeland because if you look at the the later police nah, records dude, the last it's, two it's, it's, ghost it's, in the machine and synchronicity it's because more, of the more, melodies no it, it is it is because of the melodies but the drummer plays such an important role because those last two police records they're great but Copeland kind of sat back a little bit. There were more Sting records. You look at and Sting's their solo biggest records. hit of all time. It their doesn't most matter. Song okay. is from that last record. We also we also know that 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 kind of means nothing when we look at music. But we're like, looking like even an Spotify overall collection, and, and every breath you take is like <sighs> double the listens of their next biggest song. That's true. But look at who we were talking about earlier, Bruce Springsteen. We don't. We it's very very vanilla music. But look how fucking popular he is. It's the same thing. I mean, I'm just saying. Who cares if he has 100 million streams on Spotify? Well, that means a little it doesn't bit of mean, something. It doesn't mean something. But, I mean, you, you're really, really, you're not giving Stuart Copeland enough. Enough. Credit. I'm giving him, but I'm giving a ton. No, you're not. Not enough. I just, I just said way he's more without, important without the, giving a thought, he's top he's, 20 all he's time. He's way more important he's probably to top 10. Than he's given credit for. Absolutely. But he's not that important. Sting, Sting can survive and did survive without Stuart Copeland. Did you know, fun little fact, that, okay, so the police, they've only ever reformed twice. Once in 1987, and they re-recorded like Message in a Bottle or some shit, and it was stupid, and then they broke up right after. The only t other time they ever got back together was 2006, I believe, and the reason they got back together was because Josh Freeze was playing with Sting, was playing in his band for years, and still plays with his band a lot of the time. And Josh Freeze was the one who convinced, who pretty much convinced Sting to get back together with Stuart Copeland to do a police reunion, and that's why they did it in 2006. It was because of Josh Freeze, and I think that's super fucking cool. That is cool, and that's cool because Josh Freeze is like, yeah, I just want to see my favorite band play. That I'm no, that's exactly that. what it was, because he's because I mean he was up there playing police songs every night with Sting, and Stuart Copeland being his one of his favorite drummers of all time. Like, how could you not? want to talk to sting about that and then want to try to get those two guys back together to play it to play shows it's it's a no-brainer no-brainer but anyway but anyway good. uh roxanne i mean this is about you know a prostitute um it's pretty obvious and the song was actually so what i found interesting about this song was that it was never actually banned on bbc on the bbc bbc radio but it just it never gained any traction but they marketed the band marketed the song like it was banned and that made the song more popular so they pretty yeah. much lied about it and i fucking love that that's that's punk dude that's punk dude and uh so yeah i thought Lies that way to cool. the top i mean it, it's it's it is funny cuz like sting had said you know it kind of like facetiously he said that, oh like how come 
you know, bands can say fuck and all this other shit in their songs and that doesn't get banned. But we sing a song about prostitution and it gets banned, but it really wasn't banned. But just yeah. brought more attention to the song <laughs> and what it was about and the band itself. And like that's, I thought that's that was punk, cool. but that's smart punk. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a lot like, um, like early Limp Bizkit. Like it's kind of shit like Fred Dirtz used to do too. He yeah. used to like just bad publicity put out fake better shit. than no publicity. Exactly. Exactly. Love that. That's what we should do Love is fucking Limp Bizkit. We should their new, the new vinyl that dropped live at the, uh, that's all right. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. We'll talk about it later. Um, all right. So we have anything else on Roxanne? No, that's it. All right. So what do you got for, uh, for your number three? Three B's peanuts for me. That's my three B too. Let's peanuts. get into it. What do you yeah, got? I love this song. Love this melody. This is a punk rock driven song. Um, but Summers has some really fucking rad parts to this. Some cool noodling, some background stuffs, and that solo. That solo's rad. I love that it, it I love that the song transitions out of the solo back into the verses. Mm-hmm. Because again, they're doing that abrupt thing well enough. And again, like Copeland has writing credits to this one. So I think a lot of those transitions are him like, no, dude, that sounded like shit. Here is how you should be playing that so I can make you sound better. And that's where I think Copeland is probably telling Andy Summers how to play his instrument better. Because when you see like Copeland's writing credits come up, that's when the abrupt transitions come in to where Andy Summers' guitar playing sounds better. And he doesn't really do that stuff very often to where he can transition a song. It's always Copeland. Always. And so I think I think Copeland's I think Copeland told Andy Summers how to play his instrument better. Or how to do <laughs> things with his instrument that he could not do. Which doesn't mean he's a bad you know, guitar player or whatever. It just means that Copeland is a better musician. Yeah. And, and also it, it just shows that, you know, Andy Summers, he doesn't have much of an ego. Like he's able to accept the criticism. Yeah. And, and give shit. Try harder. Like, I love that. I, that that's, that's collaboration, dude. Um, that's how a <laughs> band should be for the most part, but not the same so show. <laughs> what? Every, every like epiphany that comes through our brains now is just, well, that's, that's called collaboration, dude. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just so stupid how Dudesy has just really seeped in my own into my own personal life, and well, that, that's that's called the discount. That's called the tip, dude. That's that's called yeah, yeah. That's so dumb. Without even like thinking about it, it, just happens now. I feel like I like you it. know like people like Skip and even like Shady. The, I like when we hung out with Shady a few weeks ago before the before the show. He was saying he was, it too. He was saying it too, but he doesn't listen to the podcast. He no. doesn't listen to Dudesy, and neither but does he's Skip. Still saying Walt, but Skip does it too, and it's just like it's just so fucking funny that it's like it's a, such a perfect. Yeah. It really is like a perfect kind of like 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 interjection, right? I want you to <laughs> stop talking so I can talk. So I go Walt, <laughs> and then in person when you put your hand out, oh, and then so you, you only hold the three fingers up. Really, it's just like, oh, it's so disrespectful. Like, have you seen those videos where people cheese their babies? They throw they like what? a like a they they throw a piece of craft cheese. Oh the yeah, baby's head that are on crying. The, yeah, the forehead, yeah. And the babies are, are so in shock; they just stop crying. They look <laughs> up and they go, Whoa, "What's going on?" And that's what the wool hand is. It's kind of like you're cheesing somebody. Like, well, it's like I'm so in shock at how disrespectful you just interrupted me that I can't even speak. <laughs> and it's funny when you actually look at Hulk Hogan doing it; it makes it even funnier because it's it's really something. It, like he's not as he's not as in in your face with it, but he's always doing the three fingers out or, or the fingers out, yeah. Because he did Always it directly to be disrespectful. <laughs> that well, that's called kayfabe, dude. <laughs> anyway, oh man. Anyway, peanuts. 
Peanuts. All right. So yeah, th- this is the song I was I was referencing earlier about uh, Andy Summers' guitar guitar playing just being kind of wild and yeah. super super messy. This this was it. And you like toward the end of that that first or the, toward the end of that I guess the first solo in the first bridge, you kind of hear that that surf style kind of like slide out, and then it goes back into I believe a verse, and then the second bridge drops at the end. And it's just, it's totally fucking surf inspired. And then there's like this weird, I don't know if it's a guitar effect or maybe it's a saxophone. I don't know. But it's just all this, like this weird kind of solo and it's just so off the wall. But it's like, dude, I want, this is what I want more of. I want more experimentation with the police. I want more of this, this weird, crazy shit going on. It sounded so good. I, that's one reason why I love this song so much. Not just because it's a, it's a more punk song, but because of stuff like this. They were really kind of doing things outside the box, and that's fucking rad, dude. That's really. That's cool. all. I mean, that's all in the punk aesthetic, though, right? The the, the, it is. the mindset. That's that's the mindset. All, yeah, yeah. Not the style for not the style at all. Yeah, but, but it, I mean, it is kind of funny. This is this is you know what seventy eight. Yeah, seventy eight. So, yeah. like Black Flag's already kind of like doing stuff at this point, but they haven't released an album yet. But it's still really close, and it's just. To think like this going into like damaged, right? Just two, three years later, yeah. it's like that. That style of punk is now transitioned from this into like hardcore punk. But there's a lot of parts of this that are very, very much more punk than like Black Flag. I agree. I totally. And it's just it's wild when you when you hear this record and you and you're just picking out all these things like, dude, these guys these guys took from the police like so many different bands like you just said Black Flag third wave ska on on zenyatta off that record there's a straight up third wave ska song on there something i had never i never i had never heard this dating this far back and you know it's just they were they were honestly really kind of ahead of their time they were doing stuff that no band was doing that so many bands have taken from and just josh freeze in general like like one of the top drummers of our era and just how much he sounds like Stuart copeland when he plays it's crazy. It's fucking. Crazy. I mean, it's even even going like outside of like the drumming, but like Matt Freeman, right from Rancid. Yeah. Those, the stuff that he does, what he is really good at, are those kind of like scales that he's doing. And oh, for Sting sure. Sting doesn't do it often, but he does it enough to where that should have like influenced Matt Freeman's bass style. Mm-hmm. And it's here. It totally is that's, here. That's and it and it's all being inspired by reggae music, you know, from the seventies, which is so cool. I, I just. I think this band, as popular as they are, they they still deserve a little, little bit more credit too. They really do. They're an underrated fucking band. And I feel like they, I mean, based off of how many records they put out in such a short amount of time, and, um, dude, do you hear that, how loud that is? I heard like a howl or something. Dude, That's it's something. a train. Oh, dude, the trains are never that loud. Holy cool. shit. That thing must be going fucking fast. Don't, like, don't they max out at like 50 or 55 or something like I that? I think so, but I mean, for it to be that loud? Wow, that was, I, that I was really loud. I don't think speed has a factor in how loud a train is. Well, I mean, not not the right? speed, but how, mu- how much you're pushing the engine. The RPMs. The RPMs are going to make all that sound because that's the... Do trains have RPMs or you just throw more coal in it or some shit? <laughs> trains aren't co- run on coal anymore. I don't... No, they're not run on coal anymore. See, I don't know. And I no, don't know no, for they're sure. not. No, they're not run on coal anymore because you would get all the, the um. It's not the gasoline. Smoke. Why it'd be diesel? Yeah, it would. 
I don't. That, that seems like a waste. Isn't coal cheaper than gasoline? I probably, but it's well. It's probably cheaper, but it's not cleaner. That's what we're all about, dude. Clean well, energy. Um. Anyway, dude, I don't want to talk about trains. I don't want to talk no about idea. coal. I don't, we like. I just. I've, I've just. <laughs> I just realized I have fucking no idea how a train works. I don't either. <laughs> I don't need like if the if the world ended and we had to rebuild shit and like they're looking for someone to rebuild the trains, I'd be like, nah, dude, you, you need out. to look somewhere else. You need to look somewhere else. <laughs> I'm just gonna go home. Um, <laughs> fuck, cannot contribute at all to that conversation. <laughs> what was I talking about? Damn it, totally forgot what I was talking about. That's mm. fine though. Yeah, that's all right. It sounded like we we're kind of getting into the record wrap up, maybe a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. We could do that. Because we were talking about them being underrated, and I just, I wanted to say, like, underrated. It always feels like we're going to the wrap-up, so. That's true. I, and, and Peanuts, as good of a song as it is, it's pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward punk song. I mean, even, like, the bass line is, like, in the verses, he's doing that kind of very, like, descending kind of bass, bass line and pretty basic stuff. But it's, um, it's just, it, overall, it's just a great song wrapped up in, I think it's, like, three and a half minutes long. It's, it's solid stuff. Um... Do you want to talk about any other songs? Uh, let me just let me just thumb through my notes real quick. Because I mean, I, I mean, so lonely was another big. The only songs we haven't talked about is so lonely and hole in my life. Which hole in my life? Uh, whatever, I don't. Another care. another great filler song. Yeah, but it also but sounds so very different from the rest of the record. It has that kind of very kind of like trudging, almost like stoner rock sound to it. Yeah, it's got. But that it really doesn't go rhythm. anywhere. And it, it it gives you a couple of like false crescendos where it like builds up yeah. and then it goes back into that and the re- the relief comes later on and it kind of creeps in. There's no warning given, so it is kind of abrupt. But um, yeah, whatever. Hold on, my life's good. And so wait, okay. Good. Oh. So so talking about songs that really trudge along and don't go anywhere. I was playing Spider Man a couple year yesterday. Actually, I was playing Spider Man. I just had some music on in the background. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I'll just throw on Tool. Why not? So I threw on Anemia, arguably their most popular record. And dude, I'm half hour in and I thought it was the same song. Just those songs go nowhere, nowhere at all. It's just (laughs) constant build, constant build with no crescendo, no, no, no relief, no climax, nothing. It's just build, build, build to nothing. the same complaint that we had like the first time we did Tool. Like it just fucking doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't like, it's like. The bands I really want to get into, like Grateful Dead, I really want to get into that band, but I can't do it. Tool, I really want to like this band so much, but I cannot do it. Those are the two bands that I really, really want to like, but I just I can't do it. At least with you, like, not there are there. Tool songs you like a lot. There are, yeah, and like their first EP, Opiate, great EP. I got rid of that one. It's purged. Oh, it. did you really? Well, it was like yeah. $5. It'd be like $5 for it. Yeah. But still, I mean, that's a solid EP. Honestly, the best thing they've ever done. Have you listened to that EP recently? I have not. See, that's why you got to purge it, baby. Get rid of it. <laughs> See, I you know every week I kind of go through things that I haven't listened to in a while, so I'll throw on that that tool that EP sometime this week or next week. It's good. I listened to it. I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. But like, why the fuck would I listen? Like in, in my metal section, I would never pull that over Primus or or Corn. Primus and metal. Where else would I put it? I don't prog. No, closer to on, prog than metal. Nah. Because it'd be up against like Queen and, and the Electric Light Orchestra. Like, nah, dude. Nah, Primus is metal. You put Queen in Prague? Hell yeah. I don't give a fuck. Damn, that's that's stupid. They have that's like one like Prague song, like or one Prague song every record. 
That's that's right. Their biggest <laughs> song is a prog song. Their well, biggest song true. is one of the best prog songs of all time. So <laughs> that's why I put him in there. That, yeah, you're kind of right there. But outside D-Gaff. of that, come on, dude. They're not a prog band. Shit, you're like, I don't put him in fucking like metal for, for releasing Stone Cold Crazy and, and, and Sheer Heart Attack and shit like that. Okay. <laughs> Stone Cold Crazy is more of a punk song. But Stone Cold that's Crazy. That's thrash, bro. That's the beginning of thrash right metal. there. Yeah, of course. I don't have a thrash section, though. Metallica does it better. I put Suicidal in, in pop punk, too. Dude. Nah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, dude, shut the fuck up. Get out of here with your stupid ass sections and your record collection. That's so dumb. So good. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have believed you. But anyway, back to the police. Let's wrap it up. We're, we're, we're just, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, so let, let, we're going to wrap it up, give our final thoughts on the record. Rate the record based off of our world-famous three-point rating system where three is a perfect album, two is a good album you're going to continue to listen to, one is a bad album, but give it a shot, and zero is the worst thing you've ever heard. So what do you got, Jeff? Go. Yeah, The Police. This is the... A band that I really do think is kind of like underrated. We know the police as every breath you take, unfortunately. We know the police is Roxanne and message in a bottle. But like really, if you could have if you could ask somebody like name four police songs, like do you think they could do it? They'd probably do those three. But do you think there would be a fourth? And I don't I don't think like don't the average so person close. could. Don't stand so close to me. I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I'm gonna. I'm gonna test his theory, and I'll come back because I. I work at a music store. I think people would would say that song over "Message in a Bottle." Okay. I really think so. I think so. I'm a, like I said. I'm well. I guess you'll be here in a couple. Actually, the day you're here, because you'll okay. be here soon. I'll be here. Yeah, I'll be and, there in a couple days. We'll be at my record store for at least several hours. Let's. Mm-hmm. We'll ask people just out of curiosity, dude. Can you name four police songs? <laughs> and we'll see how many people can name four songs. I'm just interested if they can name one song outside of their top three. Yeah, and because honestly. of that, because we've been having this conversation, I think that's why the police are so fucking underrated. And and Sting's had a massive career, a very successful career outside of the police. But the police are just kind of a band that people know of, but don't really know how good they are. And that's True. unfortunate because this album is just really unlike anything else that came before or after it's not like a punk album. It's not a reggae album. It's nothing. It's its own. It's its own entity. It's its own genre. It's its own subsection in my record collection. Not really. I put mm-hmm. it in soft rock, but that's whatever. <laughs> 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 but like, man, dude, this album is is. I cannot sing this praises enough. It's not perfect because "Born in the '50s" is not really a good song, and I wish it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I have a promo of this album, so I will never get rid of it because I love it. Unless, I mean, I could get rid of my whole collection if I wanted to, but I really do like this album. I throw it on more often than not. I'm going to purge my Regatta de Blanc because I just don't care about that enough as I do this one. So I give this I give this 2.75. This is really, really, really fucking good. And I do enjoy every single song. And I at least enjoy parts of every single song. So even if a song that's like, okay, this is not my biggest banger, but I like what Copeland's doing. I like what Summers is doing. I like what's happening here. And uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's pretty, pretty good. All right. So 2.75, right? Yeah. All right. My uh, my, my final thoughts. I, I think this record is, is amazing. It's fantastic. Uh, but like I said at the beginning of the episode and in the, the rankings episode, um, I... I don't ever have like the itch to want to go listen to the police, go out of my way to go listen to them. 
and it's not like when I when I do eventually do it, I, it's fantastic. Like this week, every record was a lot of fun to listen to. There was no real low moment, and um, and yeah, I mean, I, I I'll get this album on vinyl if it's like ten bucks, um, or if I found it in a lot or something like that, I would keep it. But I've never found it, it in for the wild. Ten bucks. But it's like, dude, like I got that lot from my my boss. He sold me his record collection from the eighties and. It, it literally had it. every police yeah. record, had every police record but the first one, <laughs> everything else, um, which all went to your record store, by the way. Um, so they're just sitting in your bins now. But anyway, um, with that, yeah, I, I think this rec- this band is way, way better than people really like the mass population really think they are. And it's crazy because like when, when this band got back together in 06 or 07, whenever it was, they were selling out arenas and yet. You know, people only know the, those few hits. They don't, they don't, I don't know, just like that's all people know. But then when you look at Sting, it's like Sting is also, his solo stuff, when he goes on tour, he's selling out arenas too. Like, yeah. I don't really think of Sting as like being this really popular artist, but, but damn, is. dude, the guy will sell out like 20,000, 30,000, 50,000 seat How? arenas. Sell that shit out. I don't get it, but I mean, he has an audience, obviously. Um, but I guess like, the main top 40 mass population don't know. I agree with you. They don't know like the, the top three or four hits from the police, which is crazy. It's crazy. Cause they have so many, I don't want to say so many better songs, but they have better songs for sure. Dude, and, Sting um, has like, Oh my God. It is like biggest song from that fucking album in the nineties, that fields of fields of gold fucking song. Oh, what's that one song? The, from like 97 or 98. That's actually a good song. Not, not, it's something Rose. Or Desert Ro- Desert Rose was that the song? That song's actually pretty fucking good. I heard it on the radio. I heard it on the radio a few years ago, and, and I was kind of like, dude, this kind of this is really actually this is like good '90s like soft rock music. Like most soft rock in the '90s was absolute garbage, but that song was actually really good. I think it's called Desert Rose. That song's actually a banger. Some okay. cheesy parts, but it's good. All right, all right. Um, anyway, I don't know. With that being said. I'm, I'll give this record a 2.75 as well. It, it's really, really a solid, solid record. It, it was a good, easy listen through the last couple of weeks listening to this. And um, yeah, I don't know. That's all I got. Anything else for you? No, that's it. This was this was exciting and fun. And I fucking love this album. Yep. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. Follow us on the socials. Tell all your friends. And uh, that's it. That's all. Just freeze. Which one?